uh, I'm a size queen. I like it big. So I was like, this is good. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking that my whole job is basically good. Because people are like, Seraphim, how are you dealing with all these rocket pullers and all these Ethereum maxis shitting on you? It must be hard. Dude, that's literally my job. Like, I love it. I love trolling these motherfuckers. This was the <laughs> best part of the job. I was just trolling these rocket pullers all Greetings, day. everyone. Welcome to Flywheel. Your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and all that's in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And this time around, we go into a different type of flywheel. We go into the BD flywheel, the importance of getting out there, wrangling capital, making sure that allocators know that their funds are safe and secure. And, uh, you know, the art of BD, as one would say. We have on Seraphim of Athena Protocol. And we go into Athena, the stablecoin, too. Uh, Kit, can you give a little bit of an intro about Athena, the stablecoin? Yes, absolutely. So Athena is a delta neutral stablecoin. And how it achieves that is it's you deposit LSTs, for example, staked ETH. Then that staked ETH is used as collateral to then trade perpetuals, uh, perps contracts against it. So you have one steth, you short one ETH. So then now the deltas, the price difference between those two would cancel out. Now, Athena has a ton of, I guess, safety measures, such as reducing counterparty risk by using off exchange settlements, which means they put capital with certain custodies uh, custodians who then mirror these assets on exchanges so that the FTX blow up would never happen to Athena. So in short, and they can scale to a ton amount of liquidity because centralized exchange liquidity is so deep. And that is Athena, the stable coin. Yeah, that should give you the proper context. And, you know, we'll let Seraphim take the show. We also go into this episode, uh, the uh, importance of incentives and incentives versus ideology. We go into the art of BD. What it's, is it overrated? Is it underrated? What it takes to be good at BD. Uh, and we have some fun. There are a lot of laughs in this one. So, uh, yes. <laughs> especially at the end. Yes. <laughs> and of yes. course, there's some alpha too. Of course, there's an Athena alpha. You definitely want to tune in for that. So if you like what you're listening to, if you like what you're watching, please go ahead hit that bell button. You subscribe right now. Give us a like. Let us know what you think in the comments below if you're on YouTube. If you're on Twitter, give us a retweet. Give us a like. Give us a reply. Let us know what you think. Uh, follow us on our socials at FlywheelDefi on Twitter, TikTok, and Telegram. Uh, go to our website, FlywheelDefi.com. Subscribe right now. You will thank yourself later because you're going to hear about anything fracks first there. Go right now, FlywheelDefi.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DefiDaves22. You can follow me at 0xcapital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Flywheel. I'm your host, Defi Dave, here, as always, with Capital K. And this time around, we have on the BD legend himself. He's the head of growth 
<laughs> he's like, he looks behind. No, I'm talking about you, Sarah. <laughs> no, no, no. He's like, I had a growth. At Ethina, at Ethina. We have Seraphim on. And Seraphim, you've been in crypto for a short amount of time, but I feel like you've had quite the illustrious career so far. Yeah. If you mean getting hacked and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a ride. Yeah, I've been in crypto yeah. now. It's not that short anymore. I think it's been like three years now. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen a bunch of shit. I've been involved in kind of everything for some reason. I just end up being involved in every single you're at Euler during the heck you're at Lido now you're at Athena I'm sure I'm missing a thing here here and there uh before we get started I wanted to ask you you, you had that poll out uh what should DeFi Dave ask you and I just want to ask you like how do you get those six-pack abs how do you get so chiseled? <laughs> you can you reveal us your secrets yes what's the regiment yeah what's the regiment so I sold my soul to the devil that's it uh, he, yeah. he, he lets me do whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> apart, well, to be fair, to be honest, like, there's no shortcut. It's like, you know, they always say 80% diet. It's actually true. Like, I just don't wow. drink. I don't Don't smoke. drink. That's the biggest thing. I, yeah, yeah. People don't believe me. I don't do any drugs at all. Like, uh, I don't eat wow. processed foods at all. Just once a week, a cheap meal. So it's like a fucking monk lifestyle kind of thing. My yeah, it's full monk mode. I've been doing this for three years, completely sober, um, and it's worked. It's working wonders, but you have to be like completely on it. Um, and it's not. What easy. do you do if you? What do you do if you ever feel like ah, I like feel like having like another cheat meal, like ah, I feel like having a drink, or you just don't have those cravings anymore? I don't. If you really like do it once a week, you always know it's coming in a couple of days' time. You're going to have your share, and it's going to be fine. When it comes mm -hmm. to dr drugs and booze, it's just like you have to think about death a lot. You're like, if I'm going to embark <laughs> on this path, it's going to lead me straight to fuck it, to the coffin. So I'm like, I don't want the coffin. Yeah. I want life, you know. So that's <laughs> the shortcut I have in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seraphim has transcended earthly desires. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> he is practicing discipline. A true stoic master. Oh. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, before, I, before we get into a story time, because I'm sure you have uh, plenty of them, uh, can we get a little bit of your background? Uh, how did you get into crypto? What were you doing before crypto? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was doing something worse than like terrorism and money laundering called TradFi. I used to trade <laughs> emerging market. Yeah, I traded like emerging market currencies and swaps at an investment bank. And I really hated it. It was kind of boring. And then I just started trading from home during COVID. And I was like, I'm making more money off of this shit rather than the actual job. And I just quit it. And I just started trading and airdropping, all that bullshit. And eventually I was like, let's like check out what this technology is actually about beyond just trading and stuff. And I got in touch with, um, I think it was Paradigm. I just pinged them. I was like, yo, do you have any like jobs? And they're like, well, we've got this kind of, a bunch of cool companies we're working with. There's, here's one. You want to chat with them? That was Euler in the early days. It was like three people company back then. And I just joined. I just started helping out with growth. Uh, we went to 330 million bucks and then back to zero. <laughs> but yeah. while I was there, yeah. it was kind of fun. <laughs> I remember uh, when I first met you out in London with Patricia back in the summer of 2022. Mm -hmm. And I think you might have just gotten started with Euler. You were a few months in, 
and you're talking about how you worked in TradFi before and, and 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 everything. And I remember like very distinctly like us going out and you not drinking and you just like talking. And I remember Patricia was in between things, and it was a very interesting time. Yeah, I love Patricia. She's like, I'm not doing any alcohol, but then she pops three fucking mushrooms and like and a, and a bunch of whatever the fuck. <laughs> she gets down to the gills like I don't do any alcohol, you know. I don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But how? But she was training for the fight. Like, how was uh? You know, I have to ask. Like, how was you were in uh Dubai for fight night, right? How was that? Yeah, for context, it was a crypto boxing fight they throw every every year in Dubai. It was Pat against um, I forgot her name, but they're both crazy Chinese chicks. Basically, that's the gist of it. And like, they walk in and like Pat's the usual. There's anime music. She's dancing. She doesn't look too serious. The other girl, she's really serious. You can see she's trained. Everything. But then something happened to Pat. She became like this Mike Tyson kind of motherfucker. She just went crazy, man. She would just she became beat an animal. Poor girl. She became a fucking animal. Starting beating the poor girl. The referee is like, don't hit her in the fucking liver, man. It's insane. She's just, uh, I mean, she was, both were great by all means. But something woke up in Pat that nobody expected. She just beat that poor girl to a pulp, man. It was fucking incredible. And, uh, yeah. We made good money off of that because you could bet. It was good. <laughs> How did 2023 Crypto Fight Night compare to 2022? Because I was there in 2022, and it was right after – it was like FTX just happened. Everybody was just like, oh, fuck. Dude, it was like it was like two days after FTX. So you walk in, and half of these people lost all their money in that fucking FTX scam. And it was miserable. People were fighting for their lives, literally. Now, they had no money. So they, were like, they were probably betting on themselves, <laughs> ho- hoping that's the way they make it. You know? <laughs> it was absolutely Ooh. sad. But it was still really fun. There was lots of blood. It was more blood than this year. It was like fucking blood everywhere. Uh, mm. But it was the, the atmosphere was definitely not there. People were like, this is not cool. We lost too much money. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget landing in Dubai and, you know, I was going to my hotel in the Uber and seeing the ads on the highway, literally FTX mm. ads on the highway. Yeah. And just, it was, and, uh, it was just ridiculous. I remember that when I, Kit, to give you some context, uh-huh. When I took off, like it was, oh, like Binance and FTX came to a deal. Beefy. And then okay. when I oh, landed I in Dubai, it was Binance backed out. And then everybody knew it was completely over at that point, And everybody was just shook for the next, you know, however, some odd oh, days God. and weeks and whatnot. It was insane. Oh. The thing I remember the most. The thing I remember the most was like we were walking on the beach in Marina. It's me, I think Pat, a Russian friend of mine, a couple of people. And we're just fucking sad because everybody lost money. And we're just thinking, we're just in silence walking on the beach. And then there's this train with kids, you know what I mean? Like that little train. And they're playing this song, if you really something, clap your hands. And we just start <laughs> bursting out laughing hysterically. Like it was this moment where we were like, fuck, man, it's crazy. We lost so much money. <laughs> Oh, it was yeah. sad, well, but we cool well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this opportunity to uh, uh, go to another subject to uh, transition. Uh, speaking of losing money, the 200 million dollar <laughs> Euler hack. Um, what was that like? Especially uh, the details of being in those war rooms and those Zoom calls when when it initially happened, and then you know going through it and then trying. Did the, you got the money back? You ended up getting the money back, and it was like some crazy story with the hacker, right? Like, let's just go through the whole timeline for that. Let's just sit down and have story time. See, that's the funny thing. 
because the FTX thing happened when I was in Dubai. This thing happened when I was in Dubai too. And ever since, I'm like, I'm not sure if I should go to that fucking place anymore. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> really there's just something about the sand, you know. I went the, again for this boxing night and CZ went to, almost went to jail when I went. I was like, there's something about me going to this place. I should, you should probably sh- short sell whatever I'm involved in whenever I'm in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it was like, I think it was a day after the DPEG and before the DPEG, oh, USDC DPEG. And I remember I was feeling very smart because I converted half of my USDC into Tether just in case. I was like, I avoided all the risks. This is cool. And then Monday, I'm walking around Dubai in the mall and you get this, the most dreaded message you could ever get. Like a friend of mine's like, hey, you might want to have a look at this. And he sends me a tweet from like a security firm which says, Euler, you might want to have a look at this. And I'm like, ah, shit. Yeah, I hate when uh, like, Twitter accounts do yeah. that for clout. They're just like, hey, yeah. hey, so-and-so, you just want to have a look at this, this and that. And it's, you know, you can go into a whole discussion. That's <laughs> a real problem. Like during live hacks, you yeah. have auditors and people on Twitter tweet things for clout, like vulnerabilities for clout. I don't know if that happened with Euler, but that's uh, definitely been in a certain. Oh, that happened with Euler? Let's continue yeah. with the story. Yeah, I mean, like, I look at the UI. So there's, there was 330 million bucks. I think 200 of it was, like, just me fucking my work, like, just bringing money in, fucking convincing people this is a good idea. And then I'm like, oh, why is it 60? Must be a UI bug or something. And then it just dawns on you, it ain't a fucking UI bug. They took the money. <laughs> the money's fucking gone. It's gone. And I was like, it was It's crazy. like Shavon James. Is, what- you lost your money. Actually, your money's gone. That all yeah. that means. Yeah. Dude, it's like, I feel like uh, the first thing you feel, because, you know, there's three, people have hacks all the time. It's normal. People lose three million bucks here, five million there. And that's kind of fine. But when you lose 200 million bucks, it's a different fucking story, all right? Like, it's just not, it's just incomparable shit, okay? And like, the first thing I'm thinking is probably North Koreans, because they do this stuff on such a scale. And I, the first moment is like, fuck it, I'm going to go to North Korea. I'm going to beat that fucking fat guy. I'm going to find that money and bring it back. You know, you just feel like, cool. And like, you're going to sort this out. It's just later. <laughs> it kick, It's just later it kicks in. Like, the money's not coming back. This is not looking good. Like, if it's not Korean, it's fucking, poof. It's yeah. fucking gone. And uh, So what's going on with your yeah, team remember, and everything? So what happened was, yeah, it was fucking devastating. You know, um, it was not cool. <laughs> and then, it was like, not cool. Uh, I think we... It was not cool. I thought it was North. We we thought it was North Koreans initially, and then we find out it's some fucking Argentinian kid. Guess what? It's not like North Korean. It's like so the guy texts us, "Hey, I'm going to return the money back if uh, something." And it was a ridiculous request, and we were like, "Hmm, doesn't seem like a North Korean would do that. He would just stake the money, and that's it." And then he started negotiating with us, and then he's like, "Look." He literally, this is all happening on Etherscan, by the way. So it's like open negotiations between us and fucking whoever that is. And then he's like, look, if you guys are going to bust my balls, I'm going to send this money to actual North Koreans. And then we're like, fuck. So this is not even North Koreans. And like, it starts to get complicated. But then the best part is the actual North Koreans send him an Etherscan message saying, hey, we're going to launder this money for you. Just click this link. And we're like, don't click the fucking link, dude. <laughs> The North Koreans are trying to hack the actual hacker. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like, hey, we're going to help you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, don't click the fucking link. And I think at that point, like, probably everybody started to get involved. Zach 
XBT, like everybody just tried, kind of chimed in and started to help out. And um, at that point, I stopped getting too involved in this. I think they found out who it is, um, thanks to a bunch of people. And he returned the first, the half, first half, like 100 million bucks, and then uh, the rest of it. And you know what's the best part? I think he sold the ETH. No, I think he's, he bought ETH with all the USDC he stole, and ETH went up in price. So everybody ended up making money. <laughs> it's like up 6%. So- so what happened to the hacker? Did did he get any you know punishment? Did he get jail time? Is he like went on his merry way? So that's, the, so that's even that's even better, man. Because I see month, a few months later, I think he 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 had an interview with Do News or some I, I think some news outlet saying that he's actually an artist. He's not a hacker. He's like an artist, and he had more followers than me on Instagram, like fifteen thousand followers or something. Saying that he's actually Wait. like an artist, whatever the fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what? I'm like, what? And then he ends up in the Parisian jail. So he ended up in jail. Um, funnily enough, a friend of mine, his chief of compliance, he was involved in that whole case. So I think they threw him in jail pretty much. Um, the whole thing about this is no one's fucking happy. The kid didn't get any money. He ended up in jail. Uh, or the fucking, you got the money back, but the token's still worthless. I'm not fucking happy of all people. Like, it's just, it, it was a disaster. You know? so, um, but, you know, it's crypto. Wait, can we just, like, go back and, like, think about the move that he did to buy ETH with all that money? Like, out of all the things he did, he bought ETH. You know, he could have bought, like, Miladies. He could have bought, like, <laughs> he's an ETH maxing. Yeah. He could have done, like, all this. Yeah. But he bought ETH. I just couldn't, you know. So is he well, still I mean, in jail, I guess? I have no idea at this point. I probably is or something. Yeah. yeah. I, when I was in e- I mean, you ECC have to. in July, uh-huh. I was I was when, when I was in ECC in July, I was hoping we could visit him. It would be really funny because he was in jail in Paris <laughs> at the time. But we were, we were like, "Hey, dude, remember me? You fucking piece of shit." Yeah. But yeah, you know, and, and we didn't find him. And yet. then, uh, and then after Euler, uh, I believe he went to go work at Lido as a head of growth, right? Yeah, it was like a, I called myself DeFi expansionist because uh, it's a DAO. It's not supposed to be centralized and all that. Uh, um, DeFi expansion. So, when you yeah, when yeah, you joined I, I Lido, to be an, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I wanted to be like an on-chain conquistador. They were like DeFi expansionist will do. Okay, like it's fine. <laughs> you can't say conquistador. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when when you joined Lido, uh, was Lido still super dominant? Was the whole thirty-three percent conversation? happening or did that did that conversation start after you joined no that conversation was going on for some time uh, i'm a size queen i like it big so i was like this is good um <laughs> and i was thinking <laughs> that my whole job is basically good because people are like seraphim how are you dealing with all these rocket pullers and all these ethereum maxes shitting on you it must be hard to do that's literally my job like i love it i love trolling these motherfuckers this was the <laughs> best part of the job i was just trolling these rocket pullers all day the thing is i don't actually mean rocket pullers work in rocket pool like darren and all these guys are fucking cool dudes it's those troll 18 year old trolls who got 200 bucks worth of ETH in their wallet they're like decentralization <laughs> these are the best people to troll i had so much fun so uh yeah that's mostly what i did at lido and a couple of deals here and there so. Yeah, it's funny because at on um, at the frac side of things, when SFRAX ETH was really having its come up and its massive growth, we had a ton of rocket pool haters and trolls and crying about it mm. as well. 
Um, and so we, we yeah. felt the same type of heat. I actually specifically remember Sam going into the rocket pool discord to diligently and politely answer people's questions and pushback. He was there yeah. and he had he like went a to very the nice den. Yeah. <laughs> went to the den and then came out. So like, it's kind of like, Oh, the I enemy of my enemy. Yeah. Go ahead. I was in the podcast with Sam and he said something brilliant. It was brilliant because people were asking him, so are you guys going to commit to, uh, are we all going to commit to the self-limiting um, thing? And asking him, and he's like, guys, you, like Rocketpool said, we're going to self-limit at like 13%, whatever. He's like, guys, you guys are nowhere near 33%. Like, it's so easy for you to say this shit. <laughs> you know, like, I can commit any day <laughs> to 33%. I'm nowhere fucking near it. You know, like, like what difference does it make? So that was just so funny. <laughs> yeah. And this really brings up an important like point between ideology and incentives. And um, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on this? Because at the end of the day, incentives were everything around us. Um, and you can people can like talk their ideology all they want, but people are still going to go to the highest yield or where they feel most comfortable or wherever is the most lindy and safe. Uh, so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, I understand the ideology part really well. Like, I get this is crypto is a rebellion. Like, I totally understand it. The reason I'm in crypto is not just because it's fun and giggles and get hacked every day. It's because, like, it's actual, actually, actually rebellion. But we have to be relevant. Like, if you take DeFi at the moment and you excluded everything that is remotely centralized, what can you actually do with that? You can send ETH. You can maybe send Bitcoin and maybe swap it on Uniswap because Uniswap is, like, completely... Um, uh, immutable. What else can you fucking do? You can do no nothing. Uh, that's what. That's just the reality of it. So as long as we like do what we can do and build actual businesses with revenues, that's the goal. Like you have to build a business at the end of the day. This is not charity. Uh, we have to make a living. You know, this is, this is expensive. I've got caviar and truffles. I love that shit, and I have to make money. Okay, so like, of course I'm going to do stuff like. Uh, decentralized stuff per se like it doesn't always make money in fact people want something very simple in this space they want yield they want yield and they don't care where it comes from so you have to give it to them yeah, yeah i i like to think there's you know we strive for decentralization and i wholeheartedly believe that and we should try to be as decentralized as possible but it's hard to go start you know, 100% decentralized and expect mm -hmm. to build a business and be sustainable out of it. It takes steps to get there. Especially when it yeah. comes from like 18-year-old rocket pullers with 200 bucks in their fucking pocket and they're like, you have to care about decentralization. Look, you worry about you. Like if they worry about Ethereum, you worry about you. You've got wives and kids <laughs> fucking sleeping on floors. You have nothing to pay for the bills for, and you worry about decentralization. Give me a fucking break, please, okay? Worry about yourself first. Okay? <laughs> and then we can, I mean, and, I, I understand, yeah. but at the end of the day, we have to be very realistic that we're building businesses as well. They have to be actually relevant. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you mentioned the, the Lido DAO. You're, you're a DeFi expansionist in the Lido DAO. How, can you give us a, a peek of like how the Lido DAO works? Because, you know, a lot of people cry at like, oh, like Lido's, you know, centralizing force. So like what actually goes down in the Lido DAO? Yeah, Lido DAO is like a, a perfect mess. Like it's a complete fucking mess. <laughs> which means it's a real DAO. Like, like it's a perfect mess. Like things get done only if something's really, really important. You can get, but there's like committees. It's like a communist party at this point. There's like many committees, and you have to negotiate with everybody. Everybody's got their own agenda. I, 
would spend 50% of my time like actually dealing with uh, convincing people in the DAO to do something rather than actual work, which is, I guess, testament that it's a DAO. It's kind of decentralized because every other DAO in the space, you could actually be like, yeah, it's a DAO, but you know, let's just push the fucking vote, right? Um, actually, Lloyd is the only LST, to my knowledge, that has on-chain governance. Like you actually vote on-chain for things. Rocketpool doesn't have it. Most guys don't have it. And uh, but, but but apart from that, it was just you know the usual like the usual thing you do in BD conferencing, Twitter Spaces, you party all night in Denver, you know that kind of thing. Um, the same thing you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I definitely know what you mean about you know this beautiful mess of being a DAO and dealing with friction and tug of war and everybody has their agenda. I mean, you know, us at Flywheel, we we just got mm-hmm. our grand pass for the next year to keep doing our frax and our, our frax marketing and bd but yeah that was a quite the lift uh right. i can tell you i have to give it to the community like thank you everybody that voted for us but it was it was interesting all the different parties and stuff and at the end of the day it ended up going through and even the people that initially voted against it they're still rooting for us and supporting us so everybody wants us to like do well at the end of the day we want to see like what's best for flywheel and frax so it was good to see that Congrats on that, by the way. Good news. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you know, you're talking about BD, like, you know, you've been in crypto doing BD for a while. Like, what do you think the state of BD is in crypto and in DeFi right now? Do you think, you know, people look at BD being overrated? Do you think it's underrated? Uh, what are your thoughts about mm-hmm. BD and DeFi in general? Yeah, I feel like... BD is a very important component. It can actually be your edge. Honestly, what I find is like the best products out there in the space, they need BD only in the beginning. Like they just need the BD to walk up to the big OPs, to the big whales and be like, okay, this is the product, pitch it. Once you get the right people on the cap table and get the right money initially, everybody just upsizes from there. And then they tell their friends, their moms, their dads, you know, they just start fucking, I mean, not really moms and dads, but you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> it just snowballs from there. Like, if you look at Lido as a perfect example, have, how much marketing have they actually done recently? They got 130,000 followers on Twitter, like, and they got 20 billion bucks in TPO. Like, it just shows that, like, it doesn't matter as much if at some point. I think it matters initially when you're trying to push integrations, uh, the big whales to be involved, um, all that stuff. But it's by all means important, just uh, probably not in the later stage. Later stage becomes like maintenance work. Like you have to make sure. Uh, if it's a product, I think it depends on the business. Like if it's an asset like Stake T or LSTs, it's like that. If it's a chain, if it's a layer two, you're building an ecosystem. And unless you have gotten that killer app from day one, like, uh, like Arbitrum can just sit mm-hmm. now and, GM- and be happy with GMX. They are not. So as in like, they're trying to get other apps in there. But before you get that killer app on your layer two, you have to keep fucking around and doing BD for a long time, I feel like. But with assets like OSTs, I feel like, um, or stable coins like Tether, Circle, you, that big BD load comes in the beginning once you have PMF. Yeah, you, you had that tweet recently about Tether. With like it was like twenty four employees and it's like hundred twenty four million dollars per employee. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. crazy. Dude, the I mean think about this shit. You, yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. There's like fifty Italians in Lugano sitting there eating bolognese all day. 
and they're making just as much as BlackRock. Now, they worked for it, and they had to go for fire to get here. But I'm just saying how crypto, how efficient crypto is. I don't think it's like, because people are like, oh, it's just like FTX. They had two people running this. This is a, a stable coin. It doesn't need that many people. If they've been around for so long, and they survived for 10 years or whatever, and they're here just sipping that coffee and eating a pizza in Lugano with their 20 mates, earning just as much as Blackhawk. How fucking insane is this, man? It's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and you're right. It shows how efficient crypto is. And it makes me wonder about, you know, future projects and future protocols that we're seeing. Even, you know, Frax, I think you can count, you can count employees on like both hands. You like, you really don't need that many people. And, that, and then the results that it yields, no pun intended, it's just, you know, unfathomable. And what do that means for the future yeah. of work, to be honest? Yeah, what, what I often see with the best protocols, uh, um, at least while, while they grow, they don't have a lot of people. You don't need a lot of people. You need two, three smart contract developers that are really good at what they do. One or two BD people, probably like a white guy and a Chinese lady. And you cover the entire fucking globe. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want. I swear fucking God. <laughs> I swear God. Oh, if there's like so a company, true. you know the most bullish so you know when the most bullish sign is in the company if there's a Chinese lady co-founder? I know money's being made. I know I don't need to even know what the business is about. Money's being made left and right, and it's going to work fine. Um, but like, but yeah, that's you don't need much to get this thing off the ground. No, <laughs> she had loved it. Yeah, and yeah, speaking of BD, <laughs> I I nice. agree with you. Like, you probably just need one or two BD people to be really effective. I remember at my time at yeah. when I was at Gelato, um, I was the first growth person and I was like the only growth person and I remember we were mm -hmm. going up against Chainlink and Chainlink just announced like their automation Chainlink functions and we're just like oh shit mm -hmm. but it was, I just knew it was like alright you know she's kind of like put her heels in the ground just like go out just relentlessly BD and Discord and Telegram and meet people at conferences and stuff and you know may, and at the end of the day the best products went um, and you yeah. know I gotta say I'm proud of yeah go ahead I think uh, yeah I think also the problem is most BD people are not actual like users of crypto. They don't really get the product that well because they're not using it. Like if you are mm -hmm. attracting TVL into your protocol, you understand these people because you do the same shit. You farm airdrops, you invest, you do all that stuff. You speak in the same language. They see that this guy understands. A lot of BD people they just think it's a job like in Web2 where you do tech sales. But this ain't tech sales. This ain't Web2. You have to be one of the people actually doing this shit, posting shit on Twitter, being part of a community to actually get BD done, right? Otherwise, how are they going to trust you? You have no fucking idea, right? Yeah, let's go into that more. Um, yeah. You know, what are the key differences between, you know, Web2 BD and crypto DeFi BD? I think Web2 BD people are just very depressed people. Like, they're just very sad. That's pretty much the gist of it. We are, we are having lots of fun. We don't live in our mother's basements no more. Um, hey, mom. <laughs> we're we're kind of cool, you know. Yeah, uh, it's going, funny. Oh, when I, I whenever I'm, I, yeah, whenever I have the cherry blossom background, that's when I'm back home, and people, I'm like, oh, yep, back in <laughs> back in the parents' house. It's bear market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think generally, like, there's an idea that if you are BDing in crypto, you're part of a community. You're not just BD. You're investing in shit. You're airdrop farming airdrops. You're posting shit on Twitter. This is literally, crypto is your life. You don't go back home, uh, you know, you don't put a hat on in a case, you come back home and hug your kids. This doesn't happen. 
you're doing this 24 fucking seven. This is your life. These crypto people are your friends or your mates. And uh, it's it's in your veins kind of thing. And Web2 are like, yeah, I'm going to put the hat on and come back after five. I hug my kids at the end of the day. Like, it doesn't work this way. <laughs> There's no taking off the hat. The hat stays on. No, the, yeah. the hat stays on. Exactly. <laughs> the hat stays on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's funny. Be, yeah, go ahead, Ken. Good... No, I was just gonna oh, say. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, put the hat on. There you go. Yes. Uh, okay. I, I was gonna say, can we go deeper? Oh, the full getup. Oh, uh, that's, that's <laughs> how you definitely. We're going deeper. We're gonna go deeper. We're gonna go deeper, folks. The twenty billion TVL, baby. You need the hat and the glasses to get to twenty billion. We're gonna go deeper. We're going deeper. Deeper. Going deeper. That's right. We're going deeper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is gold. This is gold. Okay, all right, all right. I mean, for, for for folks who are still listening so deep into this podcast, I want to give them some like more more tactical things, right? Like some some real real deep on the ground tactical things. What were some amazing tools and best practices or tips you can give to an aspiring BD person out there? Or someone who is, you know, uh, um, looking to get that next level for their project and their product. Yeah, I feel like when you're BDing, you're also kind of investing. You're investing your time uh, into a project the same way you guys invest their money and capital into a project, right? So you have to look for stuff mm -hmm. that is primed to grow. It just needs a bit of your help. So think of it like activist BD. You think think of yourself like Paul Singer when he comes in and buys Argentina, everybody freaks out. This is the same kind of thing. So look for projects where you think you're going to see growth and where you can actually provide some help and push that growth. And that's when you make money because it's all about money at the end of the day, right? You have to make sure that the token value goes up and you bring enough value uh, to make it grow. To actually make it grow, actually, first is to establish which sectors are going to be growing. My rule of thumb is, this space loves yield. If you have a product that can provide yield, that can scale with decent amount of capital, that is, you're not going to put in 50 bucks and the APY drops uh, to zero, right? If it's something like liquid staking, which clearly worked, liquid restaking at the moment, uh, stable coins with high yield that can grow, uh, that can scale with capital, these things tend to work out. Um, so that's my perspective. In terms of how to actually get that product uh, higher in terms of whatever your KPI is, if it's TVL, you do on the ground kind of um, sales, basically. You meet the, those LPs who are big and active and you propose them the product, see what they want. Um, very often, How do you, you find get them? very inval invaluable feedback. Oh, Twitter. That's why you need Twitter. You need to be active. You need to post stuff. They need to know you're smart. You know what you're talking about. You're one of them. And then you can just get in the room and start chatting with them. And very often they provide invaluable feedback about the product because these are your users. Your users are not like this, again, the rocket pool guy with 200 bucks in his <laughs> wallet, okay? You're, you're, who works, you know, who just works in the basement. Your actual clientele, your users are those big whales that tend to slosh capital around. And you have to find out what they want, what they like. And once you do, you can just right. give this invaluable feedback to the devs, to the CEOs, to the founder, be like, this is what people like adjust and keep doing this so it goes two ways you sell you learn you're related to the devs you work with the devs you find out what the product's about and you have to know the product inside out it doesn't work like you pitch because they are they're not idiots they're going to ask you very technical questions so you have to go deep into it 
which you should because you're investing a lot of your time into it anyway. It's like, imagine if you had like 50% of your net worth in one position, you would know this product inside out, right? So how come you don't know what this fucking thing does, right? (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whales do not swim in shallow waters. That's why you got to go deep. Right. That was deep. That was actually deep. Dude. I like the hell out. Deep, man. Deep. I love that. They want deep liquidity, boys. Yes. Yeah. They want ample liquidity really for their positions. Really good. So, so, so I would imagine you also studied a ton of other LST competitor products, right? As a good BD, a you know a potential large whale would be like, well, what's the difference between this and you know Rocket Pool? Right. So you probably have to do a ton of research and analysis there as well. Correct. Yeah. The, the, my strategy is usually, so I'm not really good at like opening up the docs and reading that shit. Um, I'm not good at this. I have dyslexia or whatever. I'm a little bit stupid. Like, I don't know. Uh, ADHD. So I'm like, what I do is I got perfect on some curve. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, what I do is I just go to the dev that invented this thing. Or I go to the founder who invented it and I just sit down and I'm like, okay, explain this shit to me like I'm five-year-old. I'm a five-year-old ADHD kid. And that way you'll learn. Um, especially if you work already work at, at the protocol. Usually there's an offsite. That's when you get these devs drunk and you get them talking. Like spill the beans, how does this thing work? Show actual interest. And the devs are going to be like, he actually gives a fuck about how this works. This is incredible. So you just have to learn what the project's about from the devs, people that actually wrote it rather than sitting in the docs, you know? Yeah, no, that's, I I would add to that too. I would say also in like the group chats that you have with the team and the devs, read what the devs are saying and talking about with each other, because you might not know what they're saying. And be like, what the hell is this? You don't understand it, but it's like a language. And eventually you read it enough, you pick things up, you pick up patterns and you start to understand it more. I mean, that's what I did back when I was at Gelato as well. I would say that too. But usually, so, yeah. same, with, same with engineering stand-ups. Like, people usually like don't show up to them. No, no, no fucking show up. You don't have to say anything. Just uh, show up, know what the development pipeline is, what updates are coming through. That way you can sell it. So you can go to the OPs and be like, look, we, we're rolling out this new feature. Do you like it or not? Because you're the first point of contact. So uh, definitely talk to the devs. Your job should be talking to the devs by all means. Yeah, the unconscious mind is very powerful. And just being in the room, listening to engineers talk their language, it might go over your conscious mind's head, but best believe that you're absorbing all that information. And it's just good to be around. No, I'm dead serious. If you even have stuff playing in the background, like you're going to pick it up. It's going to like, you know, it's going to find a way to, to surface back to your conscious mind. See the unconscious or subconscious. I always get those confused. I think subconscious. Yeah. Unconscious. Subconscious. 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 Subconscious mind. I was like, uncon- not unconscious. Subconscious. That's, that's too deep, bro. Un- unconscious is too deep. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. It's almost 1 a.m. here. This is my second time doing a podcast this late. Dude, I've been actually getting really good sleep. And last week, I swear to God, I did a podcast this late. And I was so cranky the next day because I woke up at my normal time because I've been waking up early. And I'm just like, why am I so cranky? I'm like, oh, it's because I didn't get enough sleep. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh it's, it's it, podcasts are killing it you, man. You. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, but I do it I do it for our European brethren. I was like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to stay up late. Yeah. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, at least something so, she's so, not on the East Coast. Yeah, go ahead. I, I guess now's the perfect time as any to dive into your current project, right? You know. Wait, wait. Can I ask know. one more question before oh, we get okay, into the current project? Um, what are your thoughts on the current uh, state of restaking? You know, the current you know layout mm. of different options people have. Uh, what you think of restaking as a whole? What do you think of Eigenlayer? Let's let's hear it all. Let's hear it all. Yeah, I think um, obviously there's no organic yield at the moment at all points, or you can swap your points for actual yield on Pendle, which is what Pendle's been doing so well. Um, but I definitely think this is a thing; it's here to stay. Because uh, again, what people want in the space is they want yield that scales with capital, and um, if Eigenlayer includes an AVS, like a service that can actually generate organic yield, even one or two percent additional to the staking APR, that is significant. So I think we're going to find one what, or two applications like that. It's like I always forget what it stands for. It's basically one of the services that you you perform uh, as a node operator to generate additional yield. So like you know the same way you like like staking is one service that people do. But with restaking, can be anything. You stake on Ethereum, and at the same time, one of the services you perform is um, uh, data availability, or you do uh, you underwrite bridging, for example. So just a service Got you do. Um, so far, so I'm by no means an expert on restaking yet because I've been focused on uh, other stuff. But from what I'm seeing, there's two types of restaking that are prominent: native restaking and like. The other one, <laughs> native restaking is where you actually commit Ethereum to the, uh, um, you actually validate Ethereum. It's actually used for that. And then you build an LRT around it. And that's what Etherfy is doing. And then the rest of the guys just place uh, the capital into eigenlayer smart contracts. And it's like a pool of capital. It's not necessarily used to actually uh, validate Ethereum per se. And that's where you have those caps. So if there's a cap on how much eigenlayer holds. There's no cap on native restaking. Because related restaking, you could just plug in your Ethereum into the, you know, um, validate the blockchain and simply point the thing to the eigenpod. Um, so that's the way I understand it. I think in the end, actually, the eigenlayer uh, cap is going to be lifted on the 5th of Feb. So it's going to be fucking insane. Uh, we're going to see lots of interest there. So, um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, Kit, let's go into Athena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really like what you said about, you know, go to where the users want. And one of the things the user desire the most are yields. And obviously at your current uh, project, you guys are going to come out with one of the highest yielding stable coin that could potentially scale to bigger than, you know, Tether. It could potentially grow bigger than Tether oh, and be fully wow. decentralized. So, okay. you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's hear it. Well, yeah, I don't want to piss off Papa Paolo and be like, we're going to take you over like <laughs> tomorrow. But, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, Athena is doing something very different. And, you know, when you say it's the highest yield in the space, it is. And it scares people off. Like, I think on Bloomberg, they just wrote an article like, uh, oh, this Terra Luna shit is back. It's not back. It's literally, <laughs> fucking, it's not even remotely close to it. Like Nick Carter had to write a thread about it to, you know, to respond to it. Um, but basically, Athena is a delta neutral stablecoin where you derive yield from staking and from ETH funding, perpetual futures funding. So that at the moment is like 15% and it's completely organic. It's derived 
from uh, no tokens, nothing. And the reason it, it, the mechanics is pretty simple. You plug in OST, so you're long the spot leg, and then you use that to hedge on centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges by shorting ETH perps. And that way, like if the spot leg goes up, uh, like you have a counterbalancing movement on the perp side. If the spot leg goes down, you earn money on the perp, and it all nets out to be the same dollar one to one. But the cool component is that you got this. You got this yield. The OSD yield is about three percent. The current uh, um, funding rate is about eleven percent. Before first of January, the overall yield was like insane. It was like thirty percent because the funding mm. exploded ahead of the Bitcoin ETF. So uh, it, it was making a killing, really. But even that is pretty attractive, fifteen percent or so. We yeah, so I think what we did stables. really well. Yeah, I think what we did really well, we kind of attracted all the important people in the space to back this. We have every centralized exchange, which we used to trade, like Bybit, OKX, Binance involved. We have their big clients. We have TradFi guys like Brevin Howard, um, a bunch of names that uh, you wouldn't even know in crypto that are legendary as well. And while having all that DeFi user base, uh, like whales and prominent people in the space as well. Kobe is involved as an angel too. So we're trying to line up pretty much the entire space to create this product. And we got Sam from France as well. And we're doing stuff uh, together on that front as well with Curve and other things. I think, fuck yeah, we're going to Frax still, you know, <laughs> it's happening. Um, so I'm really excited Hell about yeah. how this is going to play out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I just listened to a podcast with Ar- Arthur Hayes and he was talking about Athena and he said, you know, there's, you know, there's Tether, there's USDC, but like Athena, that can be like our stablecoin. It's like something a, a bit different than like something that Tether and USDC is doing. Yeah, the whole idea came from Arthur Hayes to begin with. So he wrote that blog, that blog post about taking Bitcoin and shorting Bitcoin mm-hmm. futures. I remember. And we just created, a, we created a variation of that because um, on Bitcoin, you don't have intrinsic yield like OSTs have. And what, number two, what we did is we actually put money into institutional custody. Like we don't send mm. margin to the centralized exchanges in case that exchange blows up. It's actually kept in the same infrastructure that hedge funds in the space use, um, where if the exchange blows up, the money is still in that custody. Yep. So it's quite, it, it, we mitigated risks that way. But yeah, the idea is basically that we're not backed by track by, there's no treasury bonds involved. Um, it's just crypto assets and crypto trading venues. And that's like the idea that it's our stable coin. Uh, we don't need to share things with TrackFi. Yeah. yeah. And could, could you explain the OES system a bit? Yeah. So OES is off exchange settlement. It's basically where you don't need to have margin on the exchange itself to trade on it. So if you look at solutions like Copper or Kobo or Cefu, you can place funds into those um, custody solutions, OES slash custody solutions and delegate funds to the centralized exchanges. Make believe they're there when they're not actually there. That's done because we had agreements with all the exchanges and the custody solutions to do it. Um, so yeah, I could, if the exchange blows up, the money is still basically in the um, custody. So it's and like custodial, sure quote unquote. This, yeah, it's, we're, we're not like, we're not by, by no means trying to make it sound like we're doing a liquidity fork. Like it's not, 100% decentralized or anything. The money is in institutional custody. It's not in smart contracts, which doesn't give me PTSD from the oil hack, thank fuck. So it's like, I'm learning from my mistake. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, but what it does is it prevents the risk of a centralized exchange blowing up. 
And the cool thing is that settlements between exchanges and the custody solution happens every few hours. So if there's P&L that, that is owed to us, that goes into custody and then to us. And if we owe the centralized exchange P&L or funding, it goes to them every few hours or so. So um, it's a pretty cool setup. Um, can that be uh, the, that settlement? Could that happen on its own chain per se in the future? Like why, you know, it settles on like the Athena chain. Mm -hmm. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Athena roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, just, just, that idea just popped in my head. Yeah. <laughs> no, we could yeah. do it. Uh, one thing is, uh, just one sec. My battery is going down. I have to, uh, can can I just get the the charger real quick? Just plug yeah, it in. Yeah, and yeah, continue. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Sephram, I you know that sounds super cut and dry, right? You have the asset, you short the asset, so you're delta neutral. But obviously, there are a ton of underlying risks to all of these. Could you share with me, like for example, what happens when the funding rate goes negative? Because it's not always positive, right? Well, what what happens then? What are some mitigations around that? Yeah, so there's a bunch of risks involved. Um, first one, okay, yeah, the funding is a risk that basically when the funding goes negative and it goes even more negative than the staking rate, that um, it starts to eat into your collateral, right? The way we mitigate this is quite simple. We're announcing an insurance fund, um, like in a few days, pretty mm -hmm. much. It's a part of a new VC round. Okay. But basically, yeah, when the funding goes negative, it starts to eat into the insurance fund before it actually goes to the stablecoin holders. That's number one. Number two, we've done mm. like extensive analysis internally and with Chaos Labs showing that like the risk of the funding going significantly negative over a very long period of time to the point where it would actually erode the stablecoin massively is very, very, very low. Like um, the worst quarter we've seen was during the merge. During the merge, the funding was between minus seven, minus five percent over that quarter. So uh and then after that, it starts to normalize pretty much. It's very hard for funding to stay negative for a very long time. So worst case, if we eat it to the insurance fund and it goes down, it just starts to slowly bleed out rather than actually like uh, be a problem. Like it, there's no like Terra Luna situation where we print governance tokens to backstop anything. It's just like a, the erosion of collateral. And the best part is in that case, we can just, just close the trades. We can just close the shorts. So the uh, OSTs keep it in tether and think of different ways of doing this. Uh, oh. So I'm not really concerned with funding, to be fair. The, the, the other risk is uh, like the centralized exchange blow, blowing up. We mitigate this with custody, but it's still not like completely non-existent, right? Uh, it's just like if the centralized exchange blows up and they owe us P&L from, let's say, um, Ethereum going down, they owe us P&L because yeah. we're shorting. Yeah, that what if they blow up between the settlement, uh, between the settlement hours, you know? The way we mitigate this, we trade on many exchanges at the same time. We have an off-chain engine built by prop traders, uh, basically guys that used to do this for a living in TrackFi to manage exposures across different exchanges, close positions quickly if we need to open them somewhere else. Um, but even then, like, because of the custody, the risk of the funds blowing up is like pretty limited anyway. Um, there's a risk of OSD depegging. That's like a risk you assume that Lido gets had, got forbid, or whatever that, that happened. Mm -hmm. um, so the on-chain risk, the smart contract risk, is there, but it's much more limited because of custody. Like the money is not in smart contracts where you can hack it. The money is in custody. 
what you can do if you hacked Athena, you could print a quadrillion stable coins and sell them on Curve and you wreck the LPs. But you're not touching the collateral in the actual um, in the actual um, protocol, which is a nice bit. So there are risks by all means, but we've done make sure to mitigate every single one of them as much as we could have, which is I think why we were able to convince like actual trap fight people to put money into it, which would never touch crypto mm-hmm. otherwise. You know? <laughs> yeah, because the yield is there. It's the name of the, the game. Yield there, but also uses the same infrastructure they would use like custody normally anyway. Like they wouldn't touch smart contracts, but they were like, well, you guys use the same custody we use. You trade on centralized exchanges. This is pretty similar to our risk setup. Yeah. Mm. And, okay. Maybe I want to give a, a very 20 IQ example, but let's say somebody comes in with say a billion and they want to mint a billion USDE right away. They put in ETH, right? And then you obviously got to hedge all this billion dollar risk away mm kind of instantly because this person did it in one block so you Mm. pretty much have to take care of all those deltas across all your exchanges now Mm. wouldn't it be possible for someone to effectively front run that because they know you're going to have to short this billion dollars worth of eth all around so wouldn't someone do that and just keep on repeating that process over and over yeah so the best part is like we're pretty controlled around who mints who redeems first you have to be whitelisted Uh it's kind of like ted that where only market makers uh of choice can basically mint redeem gotcha and second is we have a lot of discretion around when we execute we can take on a billion bucks worth of tether or usdc and we take our time to break it up to, to actually sell it into eve stake it and then delegate clutch oneself uh so it's 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 it's, it's more like it's in between like fully on-chain lido and tether where we have a lot of discretion oh um, yeah like again, so, so, the nice thing about mm-hmm. discretion is that the funds are not with us; they're in custody. But in terms of execution, we're pretty like we can optimize a lot for good execution and not just throw in a billion bucks straight away. Got it. So even when ETH comes in, that ETH could potentially be swapped into Tether for now, right? Just to worst m- case, ensure yeah. that yeah, okay, worst case. Yeah, we don't do, we don't oh, do yeah. it now. Like now, people come in with ETH, we immediately hedge it. It's algorithmically right. done. But if somebody came in with a billion, actually, it's very hard to come in with a million bucks because we have per block limits. There's 100,000 oh. bucks. I think we're increasing it to 150,000 bucks per block limit. Oh. You come in with that and gradually you get the order done. So it's very hard to like front run such more amounts. Uh, it's not like a billion bucks in one transaction and boom. It's put on, I see, you know? I see. And then the same thing with the redeems, right? Like now, even though they come in with a billion bucks, it's still going to redeem at 150K or 250K per block at a time. So you have plenty of time to execute that. Yeah, there's a buffer, okay, exactly. Because we want to keep most money in, in the custody part. There is a small buffer allowing for redemption. And like we kind of allow mm-hmm. that buffer to be replenished as people would redeem. But we're not going to have a billion bucks sitting in the smart contract redemption buffer because that's a bit too risky, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, what makes Athena different than other Delta neutral stable coins? There's UXD, I believe. There might be other ones. But what mm. are some, I guess it's because you is UXD more on-chain and you guys use more custodial services. Is there anything else? Yeah, UXD uh, use Solana. Solana perps that are on-chain. So that wasn't particularly liquid, which massively decreased the scalability. Well, they were great. Mm-hmm. They pioneered the whole idea. Um, but 
obviously it's a big uh, limitation when you use Solana on-chain perps. And we said, we're going to use Bitcoin, we're going to use ETH, we're going to use centralized exchanges where 95% of all the trading is actually happening. So we're not restricted compared to them uh, in that way. Right. I think there's other smaller competitors. I think Resolve has tried to do things. I'm not exactly sure what's the recent architecture. When I last looked at it, it might have changed. Um, they would actually send a small portion of the collateral to the exchange to be able to trade, which means you have to increase your leverage because you don't want to send all the margin to the, to the exchange. Right. It's not a small one. Mm -hmm. So you increase the leverage to make up for it. Um, and we don't have that leverage because we just keep the money in custody. We delegate the entire thing and the leverage can be literally one-to-one. -one. So, uh, okay. yeah, so I, I don't think we really have large competitors in the space, you know, like how uh, like Teva competes with Circle. Like we don't have that. I think we're pretty, pretty much the biggest so far. And we're already at like 130 million bucks. I think we're going to get to 200 by next week. Um, yeah, tremendous growth. Wow. Uh, yeah. Congrats on that. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was going to ask, uh, you know, you mentioned Frax earlier, uh, you know, and I've seen um, the founder, what's, what's the founder of Athena's name? A guy. A guy. I've seen guy pop, a guy pop up in the Frax Telegram. And so I know they're working together. Uh, can you give, sh uh, shine some light on how Frax and Athena are working together in curve pools and other ways? Yeah, my curve pool is an easy peasy one. Like OPing on curve may or may not have points involved from Athena. I don't know. Oh, um, wait, is Athena going to launch on Fraxtal? Is Athena going to launch on Fraxtal? Is that possible? Know, maybe yes, maybe not. <laughs> this yeah, this sure is live BD in action. Yeah, this is BD in action right here. <laughs> you know, you got to get those Fraxtal points. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're going to go to Fraxtal. Like this is a no-brainer. So, uh, question is when. Um, so that's going to happen. Immediate thing is we're going to do. Uh, we're going to incentivize frac liquidity on Curve with points and all that stuff. So uh, if you have Frax, you've got Athena right, lying around. No fucking brainer, pretty much. No brainer, no brainer, yeah. guys. No uh, brainer. <laughs> yeah. No. It's perfect. <laughs> it's just so. <laughs> you know, the cost of capital could not be lower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you know this this question gotta come up and ask like you know the the bd legend yourself what is the bd strategy for athena what is the go-to-market how did you get that first hundred million already i think guys handsome i've got abs we just throw truffles around <laughs> and that's why and just see what sticks that's why <laughs> mm -hmm. but apart from that which obviously works um it was just really understanding what the LPs want. Like, you want your money in custody? Do you want centralized exchanges rather than decentralized exchanges? Um, do you, and again, they, people want yield. Like, we show you 15% organic, they lose their minds, and very often that's a trade that they've been putting on for years now. This is the same trade they've been doing privately or from, from their fund. But now, you get this and you get points and some incentives for being early on. So it just sounds like a pretty good setup, you know? And once you bring in like enough of the big guys from TrackFi who are like really rigorous around their compliance, people are like, okay, if he's doing it, what fucking excuse do I have, you know? So like, you gotta get the smart, right, the, right. the big guys with lots of um, constraints in. And once you get them in, you can get the other guys in too. Yeah, uh, can right. you go into more about these Athena points you mentioned? Uh, what can people do to get Athena points? What, did I say points? Oh, shit. <laughs> I guess I was talking about 
<laughs> like basically we're going to have a shot campaign which we're going to announce soon um you heard it here first yeah literally um and you're gonna get points for specific actions the first one is the obvious one we're going to incentivize dex liquidity for usde the state of coin um it's a classic op get points for that but we're going to do a bunch of campaigns i I can't talk about too much about what we're going to do but there's going to be lots of stuff coming potentially with synthetics uh with some layer twos that integrate us into the bridge um, yeah, synthetics is gonna, we're gonna integrate, uh, that's not a secret. We're gonna integrate synthetics as a perp venue as well. So go into more DeFi route. But there may be involved, points involved for that stuff. Um, and integrations across lending protocols as well may or may not have points involved. So big wide ranging campaign starting very soon. Um, literally like maybe a couple of days from now. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Oh, gotcha. okay. So by the time this comes out, you know, we're probably gonna hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we talked about Frax before. I want to get, you know, this is the uh, Frax podcast. So I want to get your thoughts on Frax. Uh, What do you think of Frax? Like, as an observer, as someone that went from TradFi into DeFi, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts and analysis on Frax? I always like Frax. So you guys are very practical. You never did this fucking LST self-limiting bullshit. Sam's a very practical man. So I really like dealing with him. Um, mm-hmm. Always open to do like a deal, like do some points and incentives and stuff. So uh, I definitely think the the uh, the growth that Stake Frax had, no one expected that. And I was like, ah, this is going to grow. Like this is a no-brainer. It's going to grow. And it's grown like, how, how much is it now actually? How much is Stake I think it's like over 700 million. Yeah, that's fucking incredible. Nice. I think yeah. we... We'll hope to eventually push like solutions like stake frax as collateral and exchanges, and you can use that maybe to short the ePerp mm-hmm. and do that trade from Athena. Um, we just need to commence decentralized exchanges to do it, but very open to that. Uh, Fraxo is cool. Like I can't wait to to see what the ecosystem is going to be like. We definitely want to be a part of it. So um, yeah, just love dealing with you guys. You guys are, and also um, I think your devs. I think I don't remember who it was, but I always felt like they're really good at explaining things. Like a bunch of, I saw a bunch of YouTube videos filming, uh, like them filming YouTube videos about explaining how the protocol works, and I've always found that very useful and not as arcane as most DeFi protocols are. Mm. Was it Sam? Was it Drake? Uh, I think it was Drake. I think it was, it was Drake. Drake. Yeah. yeah, Drake yeah. is very well spoken. Yeah, he's a Chad. I, yeah, <laughs> I like the stablecoin design. is very practical. Like it's like. We're going to have a window with the feds, everything. There's no bullshit. It's like very practical business approach. So, uh, yeah. Great. I call it the all-weather stablecoin for all market conditions. Mm. You know, high interest rates, we got SRAX. You know, risk on, low interest rates, we got DeFi. So it's, you know, it, it's the final stablecoin. Yeah. It makes sense. Like people want to things in this market, depending on the market. When the market's really hot, people want to be usually long ETH and Bitcoin. And yield on top of that. Mm-hmm. When the market's a bit wobbly, they like stable coins. In our case, we think our yield is so high that it makes up for it. That's why we've seen so much growth. It's the yield for all market conditions. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And, 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 and speaking of yield, like how does the yield dollars flow back to the, do I just hold USDE or do I need to, do I have to like stake know, somewhere? Like how does that USDES work? USDES or, you know. Yeah, it's similar to SFRAX, basically, or SDI. You, you, you yeah. have USD, it's not yield-bearing. You need to stake it to get SUSDE. 
once you get Got that, it. you get the balance increases with time. Sick. Okay. Could I do anything with a state USDE? Can I loop it? Can uh, I loop it? We're not on lending protocols yet, but once we are, you can do it. I think we're going to get it done soon. Like all the lending protocols, loop that yield and get more. Get, get more. But then see, more. but then now that's when you introduce more. the more. smart contract more. risk. More. More. You know? more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but oh, that's such a trade-off right there. It's like once you start looping or even staking it into this, this smart contract, right? You add that smart contract risk. I wish you, I could have just kept it in my wallet, like vanilla and still get that. Oh, yield. you can do I it. That... Oh, okay. Oh, do you I mean the, looping, the yield it. from looping it? No, no, no loop, just just vanilla 15%, you know, but I don't want to park it in any smart contract. I just want to hold it in my wallet. You know, I don't want to oh, have to so stake it idea. in the first place. Oh, okay. That's the idea. You can you can stake it in SUSDE and that token in your wallet is just going to grow in price to reflect the interest. So uh, you don't need to put it into a like a protocol or anything like that. It's just a token that grows in price. Right, but if somebody hacks that staking contract, then that USDE is... Oh, from yeah. that perspective, what you mean? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's a very simple contract. It's basically like yeah. this plus like interest payments from yeah, all that yeah. process coming in and just being distributed. So it's like very simple contract. Um, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't get hacked. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, Sam, I had one more question uh, before we went to our lightning round. Uh, you know, Athena, Frax, you know, we're all stable coins on the come up and Tether's the big boy in the room, mm-hmm. obviously. Like they built a tremendous business. Is there any way of catching up to them? Like how do we challenge the dominance of cent- of centralized fiat stable coins like Tether and USDC? It's fucking hard. I'll be honest, like Tether's such a great business. Uh <laughs> It is like, such a great, I respect I think, it so much. Yeah. It's hard not to respect it. Like you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. Like they didn't get here because they were lucky. Like they just fucking pushed like crazy. Um, they went for fire to get here, honestly, literally. So um, I think a big power, big part of their business derives from the integration with centralized exchanges. When you settle your perps with the exchange, it's done usually in tether terms. So if you can somehow get into centralized exchange ecosystem where you'll use the settlement currency, you could probably get a big part of their market share, probably the size of circle alone um, from that. Obviously that's a, that requires lots of liquidity for your stable coin, uh, a Lindy effect of some sort, but they derive a lot of power from that centralized exchange integration. Like freaking Binance, like uh, tried to push their centralized, their centralized stable coins. And they couldn't, you know, regulatory yeah. and whatnot, but it's hard. Like, it's really hard to replace Tether, which they don't share profits with anyone. That's the crazy part. Like, Circle has to pay Brian. Like, but Tether doesn't pay nobody, and they just keep being there. So, like, it's hard. Yeah, their network effect for years. I mean, they had a three, yeah, four-year head start before Circle and die, I believe. Yeah. Um it's just so strong. And they have, you know, Kit's favorite word, distribution. They have distribution, yeah. all these centralized exchanges. Uh, it's used, you know, around the world for, you know, actually, you know, for people that actually need it, not just for trading, but oh, people like get paid. Yeah, you know, you always hear Tether on Tron, Tether on Tron. It's a real thing. It's a real phenomenon, especially yeah. you know, in places that need it yeah. in South America, Brazil with it, it, picks. 
Yeah, dude. Okay, so so I, I got to share this story. And I was talking with my um, buddy who's a huge watch dealer and watch trader. And I asked him, like, this guy does hundreds of millions in revenue. So like, he, he moves with size. And I was asking him, I was like, you know, does anybody pay in crypto? He's like, bro, huge. UAE, Asia, huge, more than huge. Swift. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, really? More than Swift? And I was like, which blockchain? He's like, ERC, you know, TRC. And I was like, you know, TRC? And he's like, bro, huge. <laughs> you know? And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, this is real. I, I could not believe people used USDT to settle like real commerce. Dude, if you go to Dubai, all these Russians that moved to Dubai because of the war, like they're set, settled in, in Tether. All that real, real estate purchases happening in Tether. A lot of other things are being settled in Tether in Dubai as well. But like, but like just genuinely in the world, lots of shit. It's kind of funny of how sh- how Tron became like a payment blockchain, which is like the killer. Like it's, that's it's the main use case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't be- yeah. And you know, talk. You know, at the going full circle uh, to the beginning of our conversation about you know ideology versus incentives and practicality. Tron built in a way that was practical. Uh, you know, Justin Sun that he recognized this like one native's like okay, exchanges need to have a cross settlement in one stablecoin. I'm gonna be the tr- uh, the the tether blockchain, and he was like, I'm gonna do that. That's gonna be the purpose of Tron. And he fucking knocked it out of the park with that. He really did. And like, he was able to like latch on to the rocket ship that was Tether and like increase Tron's network effect in ways that we haven't seen. And now Tron, you know, Tron is like the payments blockchain for most of the developing world and then some. Yeah, it's a powerful symbiotic relationship they built there. Like, um, it just shows how if you want to get business done, you have to be practical. You can't just sit there like pie in the sky and be like, yeah. Uh, shitting, uh, shitting on people yeah self-limit yeah. Yeah. tell fucking tether to self-limit you know it's gonna <laughs> you know it's funny like i i say this i probably said this in like a bunch of different podcasts by now but stable coins are the new black hole for u.s debt and like it 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 seems to me that you know the u.s government should be encouraging more stable coins because you know the dollar is the currency of the internet uh, most widely used, people still think in dollars. So if they just have a bunch of stable coins and they're issuing yeah. new debt, that is like that is that just seems that just seems like a no brainer to me. <laughs> that just seems like a no brainer. I don't know. What I are think, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's tricky. It's a tricky thing because on the one hand, yeah, you're glad somebody's showing up buying your bonds. The problem is, it's like fifty Italian dudes you can't control, really. And they just buy insane amount of like like Tether's like I think the size has the same amount of treasuries. Oh yeah, sixteenth largest country in terms of GDP in terms of treasury uh, I'm holdings. Not, I'm not yeah I'm not even I'm not talking about Tether. I'm just talking about stablecoins generally. Like I mm. I do agree with you on the point. If it just happens to be Tether that becomes like a top five like largest holder of treasuries, then that's a problem. But if yeah. you have like a bunch of different stablecoins, maybe you have like a JP Morgan stablecoin. Maybe you mm-hmm. have like your local, like each bank, like like has their own stablecoin. Each, you know, Starbucks has a fucking stablecoin in the future. Mm-hmm. Like anything can have a stablecoin and they all, you know, partially hold treasuries or something like that. Yeah. That That is like, that seems like a no brainer. It seems like a huge unlock. Or, or PayPal. Or, wait. or PayPal. Yeah, PayPal. Honestly, shout out PayPal. Um, for like launching Very their stablecoins. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think this. Yeah. Go ahead. It just it just shows the current trend. Like every Web two company sitting on any amount of cash is thinking, I could be earning this six billion bucks that Paolo just earned like last year. You know, like why not? JP Morgan's thinking probably the same. Yo, could you imagine if Apple launches their own stablecoins? Where they still sitting on like a trillion dollars of cash? Yeah. Wow. It's like just so much cash. Yeah, I dropped all like Apple users like on their Apple wallets and shit. And it seems like a no-brainer. Tim Cook, are you listening? (laughs) He's probably sitting in goggles. Yeah. He's sitting in goggles. He's busy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm vision proing. I'm proing right now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. This is such a good vibe. Such a good call. But Yeah. I I I want to say one one more Uh thing because you mentioned PayPal. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but PayPal, I think, let go of like a, a good chunk of their workforce. Uh, recently, oh. I, I'm not sure if you saw that, but going back to the beginning of like the conversation, you're thinking like, oh, like with technology, especially blockchain, like less is more. You're like you're just more efficient. When I saw that, I was like, oh, like are they not doing well? Maybe they aren't doing well, or are they just like you know unpopular opinion? Are they just like unpopular thought? Are they just getting more efficient over time? Like especially with like PayPal stablecoin coming out. Look, I mean, literally, Larry thinks that the whole point is tokenization because we can reduce the inefficiencies like when i was in track find there was like six thousand people actually settling trades like i would trade with jp morgan i buy a million buck they sell a million buck now that trade has to be settled between with actual people sitting and fucking typing things into their typewriter like it's actually insane that all goes away 80 like i think franklin templeton created their like on-chain market fund and they said the reason is because we've seen you could have 80 percent efficiency in terms of the cost of something through that thing. So all these jobs, Larry Fink is sitting in this thinking, fuck you, I'm going to fly everybody. Fuck them. Like, this is going to be such a money saver. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. Like, and this is definitely happening for cost efficiency, uh, uh, point of, from cost efficiency point of view. And yeah. <laughs> Bro, I, I think that's like the, the meta game that, that Larry Fink is playing, right? Like the, the Bitcoin ETF is not going to net him that much dollars, but the actual general acceptance of blockchain as a technology and then him being able to implement it at his firm oh, yeah, and yeah, save, I mean, like thinking, you said, 80%. He was like, I don't thinking, care about like, these little fees. Yeah. He's thinking in a monopolistic manner. It's like, oh, like, you know, tokenize everything. I'm going to tokenize everything. It's going to be block blockchain. Like that's yeah, a black, yeah, well, yeah. And even to think of it, like, what do uh, ETFs compete in terms of fees? Fees alone are like the most important thing. BlackRock's been able to be this big because they've been able to have very low fees. Once you buy 80% of the workforce, you can make the fee super low. That's what he's thinking about. Right, I can right. have a competitive advantage for years to come because this cost me nothing. That's what, you, that's what he's thinking about probably. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens there. Well, uh, we have a future ahead come, of us. They, all these BlackRock people are going to come try to work for crypto. We'll be like, okay, who's laughing now, bitch? <laughs> yeah. That shit you pulled over there, it's not going to work here. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. But yeah. You know what? They're, but, they're still going to get to go home after their day BDing, take off their hat and hug their kids. Yeah. And, and we're, we're going to be out here still, <laughs> you know, in deep in the telegrams. I'm sure they hate kids hate them anyway. It's fine. Fucking <laughs> 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 hate you, Daddy. Savagery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah Prem, uh, thank you so much. Uh, before you go, we like to do a lightning round, get to know our guest a little bit more. You know, a little bit. Yes. You know, off the chain. So 
Kit, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, this is for us to get to know, you know, the man, the person behind the profile picture. And first things first, when did you first touch the blockchain? What was your virgin crypto experience? But sex doesn't count. Fuck. Okay. I was going to say I put a lender in my ass, but okay. It was... <laughs> <laughs> That counts. It was a lonely <laughs> night. I looked at that French little rectangle and I thought, fuck well, he's it. going. He's going I, deep I, in I the didn't story, touch guys. the blockchain. The blockchain <laughs> touched me. Touched me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, no, that, that works. That I, works. That works, right? <laughs> All right. All right. Next question. What is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity, hobbies, and interests? I like calisthenics. Like I like doing shit on bars. Yeah, like doing pull-ups and jumping up and down, that kind of shit. So I love being. I love. I love having abs. It's great. It's great. I recommend. <laughs> I had a feeling it would be working out. Um, Seraphim, what would be some advice to your younger self? Don't do drugs. Just don't. <laughs> don't drugs do any. Drugs bad. Okay. Food. Drugs are bad. Okay. Don't do booze. Okay. Don't eat crappy food. Um, maybe more like make sure to hang around people that you're inspired by twenty four seven. Like, like that's if the moment you feel too comfortable, just try to move on. Try to meet cool people. Have good friends at all times, but try to always move into a room. Have good you company. What doing. You are who yeah. you surround yourself with. An eight old rule. Exactly. All right. Uh, and for me, if you weren't in crypto, nor finance or tech, what would your professional career path be? I've been saving for a long time and I'm going to do it one day. I'm going to become. We're getting He's putting on the sunglasses. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. Right. Okay, you're like There's red in the face right sign, now. Sign us out, bro. Right. I, can't, I can't take this. Sign, sign us <laughs> out. Junior. So. <laughs> Who would you recommend as a guest on Flywheel? Who do you want to see up next on the show? I want to see Gwart, like the a Oh, we had him. We had Gwart. We were the first ones to recognize Gwart. We were the first ones to recognize Gwart. We could have him on again, though. Fuck it. I have to watch that podcast shit. We had him on before anybody was like talking about We can re-Gwart. Who else would you have on? You should have. Um, it's really hard, actually. Like, I think because it's stable coins, you should have Paolo somehow. Like, I think oh, you'd be yeah. able to probably. Ooh, you should have. It, get, like, all right, I'm gonna work work my magic, and uh, yeah, try to try to get an interview with Paolo. I think you'd be open to oh, it because, like, I, I feel like they don't like the trap fi kind of stuff uh, when it comes to like crypto native stuff. Uh, they could be open to it probably. Can you intro? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but there's, there's, no, there's no guarantee you accept or reply to me. <laughs> it's actually funny. Oh, I have a funny story with Paolo. It was a, uh, it was so, it was so random. Like, so I, so I had a guy. I think it was early years. There was a DeFi proposal and a, a DAO proposal of some sort, and I think I had to KYC some dude called Paolo. Right? It, it was a different Paolo. So I write in caps lock like Paolo. Have you done the KYC yet? And the Paolo replies like, 
It's like, dude, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Which KYC? I'm like, that KYC I told you about. And I realized, oh, fuck. That's Paolo from Tether. That's <laughs> a different Paolo. <laughs> but we oh, started chatting man. and we became friends after that pretty much. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a great BD yeah. intro right there. <laughs> that yeah. was not even BD. That was like just me fucking up. <laughs> just, where's the fucking KYC, man? It's like, what KYC? What? What KYC? <laughs> Well, Sarah Fan, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before you go, where can people find you on your socials and you know find more about Athena? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. If you don't care about your brain cells, just follow me. It's Macromate Eight. Um, follow Athena. Uh, it's in my bio, so make sure to follow us. We're gonna have lots of announcements next coming days. Go on Discords, get involved, and start you know LPing some shit into Curve. It's gonna be fun. LP that Athena Fraxpool, folks. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Seraphim, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, hope to see you again soon. You too, guys. Thank Cheers. You, brother. Ciao. Cheers. All right, everyone. Welcome to the post game show. I'm your host, Defi Dave, here with Capital K. That was a very wholesome, fun, family friendly episode we had on with Seraphim. He is an angel. He's named after an angel. He's named after an angel for a reason. And on that one, yes. we got down and dirty and what it's like to be in BD what it's like to be in the war room during a hack and what exactly uh, he and Guy are cooking up at Athena. Um, this was quite the entertaining one. A lot of laughs, uh, a lot of yeah. inside jokes. This was definitely yeah, like a yeah. Guy's podcast for sure. Yeah, this, no this pun is intended. a one. Like yeah. I remember, I, honestly, if, like, I feel like if like me and Sarah Fran were in like the same vicinity and we were boys in the same location and like you were there too, Kit, we would just have so many inside jokes. Oh, vibes. <laughs> immaculate, like, uh, immaculate. immaculate vibes. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, oh, man. I, so, you know, BD has always been this thing that gets underwritten a lot in crypto, like a lot. And because it's everything is, you know, devs are um, deified and everything is about the quote the tech. But in reality, even if you have the greatest tech, you still need a lot of people to come spread the word about it and you know see that initial tvl liquidity and i feel like seraphim see that initial attention yeah exactly and and i feel like seraphim does a great job being a banner you know poster angel for bd and like what it could bring right you know he brought in obviously he didn't bring in the full 20 billion for lido but he definitely contributed there and you you heard on the pod that he contributed 200 mil or his efforts contributed 200 mil into the the oilers yeah and that isn't chump change that's hundreds of millions of dollars yeah yeah that's that's hard work like wrangling (laughs) capital like that ensuring uh allocators that hey like this is like where your money's going. Yeah. This is how it earn yield. This is how it works. This is how it's safe. You know, the whole docket. Um, yep. Ben, yep. And not to I, mention, yeah. the, uh, this is kudos to you as well as like how you guys would sit in on dev calls to see what's going on on like the technical development side just for your own education, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, that, that doesn't show up on the yeah. BD like job description, right? He didn't tell you to see you know, dev calls, but you know when you did yeah. like a good job, or when you know that you know your shit, is if someone's like, "Hey man, are you a dev?" And like, when they <laughs> yes. say that, you're like, yeah, "Yes, yeah. I did." My- <laughs> I remember the first time someone said that to me. I'm like, "Yes!" Like that was like the <laughs> biggest like rush. It was like, "Yes, I accomplished yeah. something." <laughs> um, but I liked what Seraphim said. I was, you know, about when I asked him, "Hey, is BD overrated? Is it underrated?" And he said, "You know what? 
BD is most essential at the genesis of a uh, protocol right, right. when it's just launching and you're trying to get, you know, attention. You're trying mm-hmm. to get those first mm-hmm. few big dominoes to come in to ape the capital in the pool. And then once you have that and everything else is kind of just this network, like it's just network domino effect. And then like the more it grow- the domino effect that grows, that becomes a network effect. And then it becomes just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is what we saw with Tether. This is what we saw with Lido. Um, what's interesting about Lido's case too is that they weren't even the first uh, LSD out there. They oh, weren't really? even the they first. They're, no, 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 no. Oh. They started way later. Rocket Pool was actually started way before, I think in like 2018. And there are other oh. ones as, as well. I believe Lido launched right around the beacon chain. I think they launched in like 2021-ish um, or 2020. But they just had the best, most you know, straightforward model. Um, and you know, the proof is in the pudding. $20 billion yeah. of TVL does not lie. Oh, that's facts. True. Yeah. But yeah, so BD, important at the beginning. Uh, later on, it's just more about like maintenance and awareness. Like, you know, tethered, like only 20 people, $80 mm-hmm. billion. Dollars, like, like how much billions of dollars of profit every quarter? Insane. Yeah, that's wild. Insane. That's wild. That's wild. You know, I, um, I did this math yeah. once. If you were to take the TVL of all Frax related products, you know, from Frax ETH to Frax Lend and divide that by the number of devs, it's about like almost 200 mil TVL per head. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, right? It's yeah, that's freaking nuts. crazy. But I yeah. mean, that's the power of crypto is the efficiency of it. I mean, what I'm thinking of, like, in a scary way, like, what does that mean for jobs? If you can do like so much, if you can manage so much more capital with so little. Um, what does that mean for jobs? And I just saw this video today with Sam Altman talking about him and his friends or CEO friends in a group chat. And he's like, when are we going to see the first one man billion dollar unicorn that utilizes AI, AI agents to do his bidding for him? And that eventually, like one yeah. year, we're going to see a billion dollar solo unicorn. Oh man, that, that's such an interesting topic. Think about that. Um, what does that mean for everybody else on Earth? What does that mean for like everyone's jobs? Oh, like, what does it mean so to funny. work? My, my mind is right. so fucked up that I went right away to like, I wonder how would the VCs invest in that round because all the capital would normally capital goes to like spending on labor and 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 heads, you know. So I was like, yeah, like how, how you would you really, raise money? <laughs> Well, you wouldn't really need to raise that much money. Exactly. But then how would you get you a billion wouldn't... dollar valuation if you don't raise? You just exit? You just IPO'd at a billion dollars as a one man? Now that is cool. If that person breaks, the... now that is super cool. The... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, you know, maybe do it on a, a tokenized ex- securities exchange. Hmm? Right. Even yeah. more efficiency. Yeah, more efficiency. Yeah. Uh, are there other parts of the episode that uh, stuck out to you? Um, I mean, you know, I really nerd out on the product stuff. And I yeah. really, I think this product is sweet. Like, I, I, think it's I, cool. I really yeah. try to break, I really try to break it. Like I was, you I, know, know. I know how you get, I know how you get. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I was like this as I was going through the docs and, and reading through it and like, coming up questions like that they really thought about a lot of the angles and one, one thing that i guess would be a big risk for those who still, who are still listening would be when 
funding really goes that negative because you yeah. don't know what you don't know and you can't back test what never happened. So if that kind of were to occur, then you would actually chip away at your collateral. But one thing he said could mitigate that is they could just close the position and swap it into Tether, which I was like, oh, yo, that is like in case emergency break glass. Right? Uh, yeah. I thought that was that was a really – shit really hits the fan. Yeah. There's, there's, there's daddy Tether there. Yeah, th- again, now that kind of defeats the purpose of like, you know, <laughs> being a thing in the first place. But yeah. hey, you know, if it's a stopgap, I don't think anybody would mind. But yeah, anyways, yeah. that was that was and, probably my, my, my favorite part. How about yours? Um, another part that really stuck out to me in this interview was how we kept on going back and forth between the the debate between ideology versus incentives. Mm. At the you know, I- ideology is important. It's why we're all here. It's what drove us into crypto and Correct. web three. Um, but at the same time, you we have to, to build businesses here. Like, you know, I was just thinking about Visconti's like last episode, you know, on-chain oh, businesses. Right. Like they're going to have to like, you know, these, you know, on-chain entities are going to have to be sustainable and build a profit. They can't just inflate their token to oblivion and they can't just rely on, you know, scare tactics and whining your way into the hearts and minds of people because you're not going to get into the hearts and minds of people that way. The end of the the, the end of the day, the name of the game is yield. The name of the game is safety. And if you don't have that, then people are going to go find it somewhere else. And I just thought about like Fraxland during Curve, the whole Curve Viper fiasco. Like, you know, right, right. where where did Mitch go and pay his loan first? He went to Fraxland because he had to. Because incentives drove him. Incentives are powerful. Right. Makes it, make your incentives so powerful that you don't need to wind your way into it you don't need to like cry your way into anything make your incentive so powerful that people come to you that's the name of the game agreed yeah and that's all i gotta say there uh we're gonna wrap up this episode uh thank you so much for watching if you like what you see please if you're watching this on twitter give us a retweet give us a like leave us a reply let us know what you think if you're watching this on youtube go ahead hit that bell button you subscribe right now uh leave us a comment let us know what you think give us a like Follow us on all of our socials on Twitter, TikTok, Telegram, at FlywheelDefi. Go to our website, FlywheelDefi.com. We've been really pumping out content, pumping out alpha, anything Frax related. Fraxel. Alpha. Alpha. Fraxel Alpha out. Um, go subscribe to that right now, FlywheelDefi.com. You can follow me, yours truly, on Twitter at DefiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and it's not an investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.